ego, drama, judgment, compassion, and respect. The other day I had lunch with Dr. Michael Jones, who I did a podcast with a couple months ago, and we got on the subject of the ego. Michael has much to say about the ego because of his books and interests. I think I'm a terrible person to talk to about the ego because having an ego feels relatively new to me. That's a loaded statement, but if you know my podcast, you understand why I say that. I know I now have an ego, and I know I need to work on keeping it a healthy size. The reason I say healthy size is that I do know that I have a lot of pride, and I do not see all pride as bad. I know that most people think pride needs to be diminished, but in my self-analyzation, things I label with pride are things I have finally begun to heal. And pride looks like a healthy scar. Actually, pride isn't the topic. Ego is. And Michael had some things to say when I told him that I had been to see a hypnotherapist. I went out of my fascination for anything hypnosis-related. I told him about the visit a bit. And then I said that when I came home, I sat at the microphone and recorded what I was feeling. I admitted I couldn't remember what I said exactly because I was talking into the microphone and crying, and because of that, I haven't listened to it since. I recorded it so that I have it as a record of spoken feelings, not written feelings. I then admitted to Michael I would probably never share it because I have this fear that if I'm heard crying that I will be perceived as being dramatic, and I hate drama. I then reminded him of my podcast, Trauma, Drama, and Energy, and how my father used to create drama, which is why I hate it. He then said, The foundation of ego is drama. If your father weren't creating drama, he would have to look at himself. Not wanting to do that and to keep his ego where he needed it, He created drama so he didn't have to look at himself. That's why someone will continually create drama. Michael then said, Your ego is why you won't share what you recorded when you were crying. I hesitated. It didn't feel like ego. So I looked at him puzzled. I'm not so sure. I don't want to come across like I'm crying for a dramatic story. Again, I couldn't remember what I had said in the recording. I was making it for myself, and so with Michael's words, I had no choice but to consider I was talking about the fact my ego wants me to be perceived certain ways. Then he said, Ignore your ego. Just share it. Don't worry about what you say, how it sounds, that you're crying. You are assuming people will judge you. Your ego is so fragile it assumes first it will get judged. That's a lie your ego is telling itself. Just share it. I already know that when feelings are tethered to tears, I have unfinished work to do. Tears will not arrive without opportunity for growth, and sitting there without my permission to access feelings or tears, I had to accept my wet eyes meant Michael was right. Here is how Michael explains it. We find ourselves trying to create a narrative. It means the ego is involved. The only narrative that matters is the archetypal journey that doesn't involve any other characters other than you. You are a combination of many characters. 
a lion and a dragon, a joker, a sage, and a wanderer, a Buddha, a Zarathustra, or a Christ. The ego is taking on one small part of one character in the boardroom of your heart and mind. Your only focus should be climbing the mountain of life, and to climb it, we don't have to climb over the top of anyone else. Drama is proving, proving we are not trying to be dramatic, or proving we are not proving, is drama. It's like a guru who says they are better than other gurus because they don't talk crap about gurus. In your case, proving that your dad's drama was unacceptable by proving you can be better than that is not better, because they are both proving something. I think the ego view of life currently has made everything look like a courtroom more than a boardroom, and everyone and everything is a possible jury rather than an ally or another set of eyes, ears, feelings, and thoughts. So, I came home from lunch with Michael, and I found the recording. I chose to listen with reverence and compassion, not judgment. I stopped myself easily from making assumptions about how anyone else might hear the words through tears. I realized how easy it was to respect that part of me wanting to share that her heart felt so unexpectedly touched. And so, with this important realization about myself and my ego, I share this without fear of judgment or potential harm to said ego. Anyone who can't hear what I hear needn't ever waste their time sitting with my voice. And I don't want to waste anyone's time. Namaste, friends. I just got back from a hypnotherapy session with this really awesome guy named Nick Dibb. I didn't know what to expect, and yet, despite that, I still feel surprised, even though I know I didn't know what to expect. So, I come away being amazed that he introduced me to the idea of being in the same room with Natalie as a little girl, because that's not a new therapeutic idea at all, but I suppose I've never done that. I, I found myself crying so much with realizations. As realizations would come at me, I would cry more. And they weren't awful realizations. They were, they were good realizations. Two of the biggest ones being how sweet my mother is because I was in the room with the young her when I was like three, which would put my mom somewhere around 30, <laughs> or just over 30. I saw the very sweet her. So sweet. That's the only word I have for it. And for some reason, seeing her so clearly just made me cry so much. What a lovely mom. The mom I have now is not the mom I had then, only in that, you know, this woman around the age of 30 is not a woman in her 70s. You know, although it's still my mom, it was so interesting to see her so clearly. She was just so cute and innocent and loving and, yeah, it just... 
I only have tears for how beautiful I see her and I see her so clearly. It was a really long appointment. I think I think I took way longer than I meant to or should have because it started at 2 and it's now 5.30 that I'm home and he doesn't live far away. And then the other realization that had me crying so much was how genuinely wonderful the little Natalie was. And in the therapy session, he said, the two of you, little Natalie and adult Natalie, get to be one. You don't have to be without the other. And so that felt lucky. Like, little Natalie was an awesome little girl. Sweet and cute and funny and smart and really awesome. And it sounds silly to say, but for him to give me permission to have her as part of me, I feel lucky. I think I slightly cried over the confusion that little Natalie was in. I slightly cried over the danger that she felt in the situations we were talking about. But I really cried over the awfulness I felt on behalf of my mother and watching her. Like that was the sad stuff. That was the upsetting stuff. Not that I was in the room. That almost was was nothing. My fear, my discomfort, my anything was nowhere near as important as what my mom was feeling. Interestingly, when he asked me to go even deeper to even younger age, because I started at three, I... This is the earliest, the earliest memory you can remember. And it sounds silly to say, but I feel as though my earliest memory didn't involve anything with a visual. And yet I feel as though I know where my mother was standing. I feel as though I know what she was saying. It was like I could remember everything, but everything was dark. And so I had no choice but to admit I might be in the womb. Because that would fit everything that I was sensing. I don't know if I want to say remembering, because I don't know that I dare call it a memory, even though it, it's there. I can hear what my mom is saying. I could hear that she was trying to stop my dad from hitting her. I think she was trying to stop him from hitting her stomach. But I know she was getting hit. So I don't know. I want to talk to her about that, actually. And see if she can fill in the gaps for this memory. Even though I don't have, like, a visual of it, I know where she's standing. Which seems a bit strange. It was pretty interesting. We talked beforehand about how I see things and the way I... The fact that I don't say God, that I say the organizing force. That that's how I refer to that entity that is in the most powerful place. That it creates all of existence. And then he was able in the session to use my lingo. 
to talk to me. And it was interesting to bring the adult perspective into the room that the adult me has never been in, to having an opinion that the adult me didn't get to have an opinion on. So as I say, I, during and after, I am crying through realizations that mostly equate to beauty and sweetness and the love I have for my mother and for the three-year-old me. Super interesting. Yeah, I was also aware that although some things are very vivid in my subconscious, there was plenty of missing information. So it would be neat to keep going, to keep doing. He has had hypnotherapy for seven years, and that's why he decided to become a hypnotherapist, because it's been so amazing. I say that's a valiant goal based on valiant work. That's awesome. When I got in the car and I turned on my music, the song that was playing on my Spotify is a Sarah Borella song called Hold My Heart. I'm going to grab the lyrics really quick because it made me cry again. And it was already mid-song, so it wasn't that I was listening to every word and feeling a connection to it, but um, I know this song very well. Let's see, is it a long song? Kind of, not ever so. I never meant to be the one to let you down. If anything, I thought I saw myself going first. I didn't know how to stick around, how to see anybody but me be getting hurt. I keep remembering the summer night and the conversation breaking up the mood. I didn't want to tell you you were right. Like the season changing. Oh, I felt it too. Does anybody know how to hold my heart? How to hold my heart? I don't want to let go, let go, let go too soon. I want to tell you so before the sun goes dark. How to hold my heart. I don't want to let go, let go, let go of you. I'm not the kind to try to tell you lies. But the truth is you've been hiding from it too. I see it sneaking in behind your eyes, saying things no words could ever do. Does anybody know how to hold my heart? How to hold my heart? I don't want to let go, let go, let go too soon. I want to tell you so before the sun goes dark. How to hold my heart. I don't want to let go, let go, let go of you. Is anybody listening? Because I'm crying. Is anybody listening? Does anybody know how to hold my heart? How to hold my heart. I don't want to let go, let go, let go too soon. I want to tell you so before the sun goes dark. How to hold my heart. I don't want to let go, let go, let go of you. I kind of feel a little bit like that's why I came straight in and headed for the microphone is because I don't know that I've ever felt this close to the little me as though she was someone separate that I could do as he suggested which was set her on my knee and ask her questions and listen to her answers 
and her answers weren't anywhere near as interesting as how sweet she was. As I say, I'm just overwhelmed feeling lucky. Lucky to merge me with her. As we did our session, I was very aware that she didn't have answers for some of his questions. She was too little. She didn't know. She didn't have feelings for what she was feeling in the room. She just felt danger. I didn't know that. I never really even considered, you know, what was she feeling? What was going on in her head? How how articulate was she? <laughs> she wasn't. She was just very little and very aware that this dangerous situation was not an okay situation. I also didn't know that she wasn't crying until the danger was taken out of the room by force. And then when she was given permission to feel anything, whatever she wanted, it wasn't relief she felt before it was a desire to just cry. That it was suddenly okay to just cry because she wasn't allowed to cry. Remove the dangerous thing in the room, <laughs> the one shouting and screaming and foaming at the mouth, and even though peace came with that removal, she first wanted to cry because it would be safe. I'm glad that that's what she felt because I believe in crying. I'm glad that came first because <laughs> that's important. Feel your feelings. Anyway, what an interesting experience. I want to continue. Such a nice guy. Such a pleasant voice and so willing. Today I met the little me. I also kind of met my young mother. I love them both very much. If you live in Utah and you would like to schedule an appointment with this hypnotherapist, his email is nicholasdib1991 at gmail.com. I'll spell it just to be clear. N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-D-I-B-B-1991 at gmail.com. And Dr. Michael Jones has two books, World of Alphas and Anatomy of Mind and Emotion. His two websites for those books are worldofalphas.org and anatomyofmindandemotion.com. Nat and Chat is brought to you from a foundational belief in health and happiness. Understanding the self is the core to happiness. Understanding the power of seeds is the core to health. Learn more at seedsandcells.net.